folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Taneo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Power here, and joining me, I think you all know this man, Green Bay Packers reporter Jason Wilby. What is up, Jason? Uh, I should be asking you that. In the in the words of the great Vince Lombardi, what the hell's going on <laughs> up there? <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? How, what what questions oh. do you want to ask? I mean, look here. I'll give you the the short synopsis because, of course, our podcast listeners have heard this uh, uh, every <laughs> every day, pretty much. Here here's the synopsis. They guessed wrong. They guessed that everything would click into place and go right, and it all went wrong. And now they're one in five. But you know, you people in Green Bay don't deal with this very often. Only if a quarterback gets hurt once every two decades. That's true. I'm just going to miss the Yannick and Gakwe era. It was such <laughs> such halcyon days that I'm just disappointed that it's over after five weeks. You know, it is funny how many times in sports the most exciting day of a trade or a, a new player joining a team is the day that they make the trade. It's like, oh, this is really exciting. Let's talk about everything else. Then the guy gets on the field and you go, oh, he's really not that exciting to watch play. So... Okay, and then they trade him away, and that was the end. It's like, what was your favorite moment of the Yannick Ngakwe era? Like the time that he registered a sack when Indianapolis's tackle didn't know the snap count, and then you know, that's one of my favorite things is people asking like, why did they trade their leader in sacks? Like, well, some of those sacks were about you know five seconds in or you know whatever. So yeah, that uh, that's kind of a cherry on top to everything else, Jason. Well, who are we to judge? I mean, we've got uh, the Green Bay Packers sitting their first-round pick behind a guy who's playing like he's turned back the clock and he's going to be spending the next four years playing at this level. So we all make mistakes. (laughs) No, that's true. You know, this is what I wanted to talk about because breaking down the matchup just doesn't feel right when the Vikings are 1-5. and It's like, who's starting at left guard? Who cares, right? So I want to talk about... 
um, Rogers and Jordan Love and all the stuff that we talked about because we had a 30-minute discussion a couple of months ago on how the Packers had just left Aaron Rodgers out to dry. And you know what, Jason? I regret nothing about that conversation. Imagine if the Packers had Justin Jefferson right now. And, uh, you know, they've played against some mediocre opponents that they've ripped apart. The Bucks game was not very good for them when they had to face a good defense. And I don't take any of it back. I think that they've just overcome some of that stuff, but they did not do the right things to put Rodgers in a place to succeed this year. They just have. I would I, I would love to take anything back that I can, but I can't either. I mean, I look back on the draft, and it just worked out great. They're 5-1. and one. Now, we also know that there have been plenty of teams over the years that have started strong and then hit the skids. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen with this team because, frankly, there are a lot of bad to mediocre teams in the NFL that they are going to be better than. But are they good enough to win when the money's on the table against a really good team? I'm not sure because the evidence we have so far is a pathetic performance in Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago. So, look, I know uh, our friend Courtney Cronin made a bold prediction before the season that Justin Jefferson was going to be Randy Moss-like. Hmm. Um and I chuckled at her, and she's been – well, I don't know if he'll put up the same numbers that I remember from 1998 when I was covering the Packers and the Vikings game on Monday night at Lambeau Field on October 5th, and she was probably eight or nine years old. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've been so impressed by him. And you know who else was impressed by him coming out of college? Aaron Rodgers. He <laughs> right. loved Justin Jefferson. And so, look, I'm looking at the Packers wide receiving core, and, and they're coming off of a game where they could have been even more productive against Houston, who I thought was better than its record, but clearly isn't. Um, but Aaron Rodgers completed 23 passes against Houston. 13 of them went to Devontae Adams as the Texans inexplicably thought, you know what? We'll just cover this guy one-on-one. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? Um, but there, his other ten reception or other ten completions, uh, four went to Jamal Williams, the running back. Uh, two went to tight end Robert Tanyan. And then two went to another wide receiver, Malik Taylor, at two catches for six yards. They've been without Alan Lazard for a couple of weeks now after having core muscle surgery. He had had a big game in New Orleans and suffered the injury that night. Look, they don't have enough weapons for you to feel good about them if they're missing guys. And I understand they played two games without Devontae Adams. They were able to win both games. But they have three of their five wins over teams that have one victory each. And so I think if there's some skepticism about this team, it's still valid. Doesn't mean that what they've accomplished isn't great. Doesn't mean that they didn't beat the teams that were on the schedule when they were scheduled to play them, which is what you have to do. doesn't mean that they haven't beaten some teams, like Aaron Rodgers likes to say, that they're supposed to beat if they believe themselves to be a championship contender. But I need to see more before I'm going to apologize in any way for saying that they didn't make any mistakes 
by not getting Rodgers more pass-catching weapons. Right, and when we look back at what they did in the draft, it's not just the first round. It's anywhere did they add any receiving talent at any point. But when we look at the first round and you talk about these older quarterbacks who have had so much success in the NFL, Tom Brady still looks great. Drew Brees had a little bit of a dip there, and then he looked good. We've seen lots of quarterbacks go into their 40s even that are of this ilk, of the Aaron Rodgers ilk, and still be able to win in their late 30s and 40s. And I think that the conversation was always, why would you not push the chips to the middle of the table when this guy is still your quarterback and is coming off of a season in which they went 13-3? and And I know that there's the statistics, and I think that they'll bear out still uh, as we go down the stretch here, maybe some tougher opponents, not this week. Um, but, you know, that, that he was not the same quarterback as he was, say, in 2013, 2014, in that range. Um, but at the same time, still one of the 10 best players at the position in the NFL. And I think that part of his regression was people aren't open. He doesn't have extra receivers because the last time he had Jordy Nelson, he was still great. So that was always the argument. Why wouldn't you just get him more weapons and try to prop him up as much as you can if he is regressing? And drafting Jordan Love did absolutely nothing for that. Well, and this scheme, quite frankly, is designed to scheme guys open. Mike McCarthy's offense, I think we talked about this the last time, was predicated on guys winning their one-on-one matchups and Rodgers being so good at going through his progression, he could get to his fourth receiver in the progression before some quarterbacks would get to their second. And if your fourth guy is better than their fourth cover guy, he's going to be open. And so... And I always think back to that Sports Illustrated cover with Rodgers on the cover with Jennings and Driver and Jones and Cobb and Nelson and Jermichael Finley. And that was the first year he won his, his MVP award of two. And they just out-talented teams. Last year, I still they, they won a bunch of close games. It's, it's still remarkable to me that they were 13-3. and three. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, this year, I think that the scheme is really working for Rodgers, and it is scheming open guys that weren't able to get open in this kind of transitional version of the offense where they were segueing from McCarthy's offense to a true LaFleur offense. So Rodgers has talked about it uh, multiple times that, you know, when, when we ask him why he's getting the ball out of his hand quicker, the first thing he says is guys are open quicker. And, again, that's where – If you're able to do that with guys of lesser talent, what can guys of terrific talent do in that same scheme? And it's the same with the quarterback position because this is an offense where you don't have to be a great quarterback to be productive in it. But when you have this offense and you have that great quarterback and you add some weaponry, you know, you can really do some things against both not-so-good teams and against the good teams. And, again, We want to see, if you're a Packers fan, you want to see this team do it against a really good defense. And at 5-1, and they haven't had to do it yet, or in the one opportunity that they did have, they failed to do it. Yeah, and how funny is it that this week is not the test? (laughs) I mean, normally you would have been saying, okay, here it is, you know, Rodgers versus Zimmer. That's what it's been uh, since Zimmer arrived here. That's been the matchup is Rodgers versus Zimmer that you're putting on the marquee, and – 
that is just not the case here. I mean, it's still Rodgers Zimmer, but it's Rodgers versus cornerbacks who have no idea what they're doing and still, as of last week, don't even know how to use their safety as leverage and just give up easy touchdowns to Julio Jones. Like, it has been uh, incredibly poor play by the cornerbacks, and I think that that probably continues even though they're coming out of the bye. So if the Packers do end up 6-1 and one and beat the Vikings, I mean, where would you put them in terms of NFC contenders? Are you putting them you can't go above the bucks because you lost to the bucks but aside from that is it just in the second bundle or do you have them below somebody else uh i don't know what to make of what happened with seattle and arizona on sunday night i really did feel and they have their defensive shortcomings too and they're not exactly chock full of weaponry either although dk metcalf is a really good player um but russell wilson does it with you know lockett and uh, and Metcalf and then some other guys, you know, and that's kind of the way the, the Rogers era has been the last few years. Look, I, again, this is, I don't want you to tailor our conversation to filling me in on the Vikings. That's why people <laughs> subscribe to listen to it all the time. But it is, it is baffling to me that a team that has been so good defensively and ha- still has star player pieces, right? Whether it's Kendricks, et cetera, that they are at a point where they went from, okay, our corners got old or ineffective, so we're going to start over, and now we got young guys who just are ineffective. They're not old, they're just ineffective. And Rodgers versus Zimmer, as you said, has been such a terrific cat-and-mouse game. Now, you know, Rodgers got the better of it in the opener. He got the better of it in Lambeau Field last year. I'm not sure that he really got the better of it. They won the game. But it wasn't like they lit the world on fire at U.S. Bank Stadium late in the season on Christmas Eve Eve last year. Uh, they ran the ball really well in that game. So, you know, that how that has happened is, is a little baffling to me. But against Aaron Rodgers and with Devontae Adams going like he is right now, that creates uh, quite the matchup concern. I'm eager to see what Mike Zimmer, who I really like, uh, you know, I've never had to cover him and been scolded for any of my questions by him, but I do know this. He is a really smart defensive coach, and it, it whether you it's losing Hunter or Ngakwe not being the player that you thought he was going to be as the missing piece, I just know that I would never feel all that confident against a Mike Zimmer defense that coming out of a bye week, A, there's no way he's going to let Devontae Adams beat him. He is going to force them to win the game with somebody else because there's no way that he's going to be as foolish as the Texans were. But I, I just I can't underestimate him. And maybe it's the same principle that I have that I've struggled with this season where I've looked at, well, they're playing on the road. You know, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, well, not with, any, not with the stands empty, it ain't tough. And and I, I it's hard to retrain your brain to say home field doesn't mean what it used to mean during this COVID-19 season. I have to also retrain my brain to say, maybe Mike Zimmer being the head coach and being a defensive genius 
doesn't mean as much as I thought it used to mean as well. I think it only goes so far. When you have players that cannot master yet, and I think that they will eventually, but when you have guys that don't understand basic NFL technique and then all of a sudden they face DK Metcalf and Julio Jones in back-to-back weeks, and, and these guys have just been overwhelmed. And even when they schemed extremely well against Seattle, still when push came to shove at the end of the game, they couldn't pressure the quarterback good enough and they couldn't cover good enough. A fourth down where Russell Wilson goes deep and Cam Dantzler is in, you know, catch, trying to catch a fly ball as opposed to, you know, guarding his man. And I, I think we're just seeing a lot of that. And that's what, before the season, we tried to kind of warn fans a little with, hey, you know, a third round pick having to start, this could go bad, actually. You know, we don't even know if first rounders are going to be good, much less a guy who's picked in the third round having to play against the league's top receivers. And I agree with you that they'll do everything they can to take away Devontae Adams. But what we've seen, Jason, is the big play. And you saw it week one, but that's happened every single week, even against the Texans where they almost lost. And and I think that the NFL has really gone this way. I don't know if it's been the last few years or just especially this year where everything is about how many downfield bombs can you hit? How many times can you create somebody open that breaks a big play? And that's the difference maker in the game. And that's the worst for rookie corners who can't cover elite receivers. Yeah, and and look, the Packers offense, the the development they've had has been twofold. One, Rodgers, again, because guys have gotten open off the line of scrimmage more effectively, has gotten the ball out on those underneath shallow crosses, the kind of throws that, quite frankly, you either saw him passing up or not having available to him last season because guys weren't open. So they're, they're able to dink and dunk a little bit more than they have. And then the second part of it is their play-action game because their running game is effective and because their run fakes look exactly like their actual runs, whereas the what we joked about during the McCarthy era was they would do play-action and the faked handoff looked nothing like any of the handoffs they would actually hand the ball off for. Right. So no one right. was fooled by those. In this offense, it's really interesting how it's, it gives such a great illusion of complexity that they run largely the same plays, but they make them look vastly different. And, and the way that Rodgers, you know, Matt Hasselbeck explained this to me better than anyone, that by the third step by the quarterback, you want the defense to not be sure if it's a run or a pass. Mm. And, and in, in the Packers offense's case right now, they have really mastered that. The, the, the scheme and the way Rodgers executes the play-action fakes, he, he bootlegged the Saints to death a couple of weeks ago, but it really is effective on freezing those linebackers and confusing the defense into thinking, okay, this may actually be a run, and then obviously then they are able to hit the downfield throws more often than they have in the past couple of years. Go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen this stuff yet and you've been listening to this podcast, what are you doing? Make sure you go check it out. A couple of my favorite designs. They've got new gritty gear after the Vikings' young superstar receiver and the Duck Duck, Gray Duck, and much, much more. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies, a few of which I have myself. You will love it. 
We are going to hook you up, by the way, with free shipping on your next order. Use Purple Insider for free shipping. The promo code Purple Insider. That's SodaStick.com. S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. So you bring up uh, Mike McCarthy, and that's going great in Dallas. But I, I wonder, <laughs> well, well, I want you to tell me about the end of eras, though, because I think by the time McCarthy was done, he was really done. And nobody thought that year, or at least I'll tell you my perspective, I didn't think that they would get rid of Mike McCarthy, but eventually it got to be so bad. And I forget, you could tell me which game it was that they just no-showed entirely against the bad opponent. But I had that feeling last week against Atlanta. And I think for Mike Zimmer that this game is actually pretty important that his team shows that they have some fight and that they have some development in them and some progress and some potential under Mike Zimmer long term because I think that it's a real thing when you get to the end of an era with a guy and you say look you're a great coach but I think we've got to hit the refresh button and I honestly don't know if that's the case with how ownership feels about this but I know that if the Packers win 30 to 10 that they're going to start feeling like it right they care about that matchup a lot and I think that they were infuriated the game you mentioned uh, last year week 16 that the owners of this Vikings team were infuriated with how that looked especially getting run over the way they did and I mean I'm not saying that this might be it but this would be a huge influencing factor if they get killed by the Packers on Sunday. Yeah, I, a couple things about the McCarthy era. First of all, like the quarterback had far more pelts on the wall in Green Bay than the guy that uh, is currently quarterbacking Mike yes. Zimmer's team. Yeah, and so his displeasure or frustration with McCarthy carried a lot more heft uh, than any frustration probably anybody on that roster in Minnesota can can carry. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, the game you're referring to, they lost to Arizona. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Mason Crosby missed what would have been a game tying field goal uh, as the clock. So, you know, you wonder, well, if he makes that kick and they go on to win 23 20 or whatever, does he get fired? Probably mm-hmm. not. Uh, I did think that that was a little knee jerky to fire him. They kind of tried to cover it as, yeah, we wanted to give Joe Philbin a chance to audition, which wasn't really true. <laughs> like they could true. say that, but they never were never going to fire. They, right. They were never going to hire Joe Philbin, who I love. I mean, he's one of my favorite coaches. He's a kind-hearted, wonderful man who probably is never going to be a head coach again after what happened in Miami. So to, to look at that, you know, I wouldn't use that per se as the uh, equivalent because of Rogers' power and because of how the Packers handled it, I don't I don't know the Wolves well enough to know if they would ever fire somebody other than Chili uh, before the season is over. Now, the other part of that though was early that season, the Packers beat Buffalo, and they shut them out. It was like twenty to nothing, and twenty two to nothing, I think. And Rodgers got up on the post game podium and basically just ripped to shreds the offensive game plan publicly Hmm. and, you know, talked about how they should have beaten them by so much. And the, the narrative, instead of being, wow, what a great defensive performance while the offense didn't put up a lot of points was instead Rodgers just committed second degree murder (laughs) on Mike McCarthy's career 
um, in front of everybody in the media. And I am, I am intrigued by the fact that after that, no one really thought McCarthy would last. I think he was emasculated by that. And as a result, it was just a matter of when, not if, that was going to be his last season. I mean, I knew it was over from the minute Rodgers walked off the podium. And I don't think anyone in Minnesota has done that, to my knowledge, said anything. You know, McCarthy's got all this other stuff going on now in Dallas where he's being so harshly criticized and uh, guys are talking off the record, et cetera. But I don't get – and you're closer to your team than the, cover, the team that you cover than I am. But I do wonder – um, how frustrated the locker room is with the culture, the coaching staff, et cetera. Because Rodgers, I don't want to say he led a revolt, but his frustration and him voicing it publicly allowed others to feel like they could voice their frustration publicly. And I think that then just started to sort of be a snowball rolling downhill and that was kind of it for him. So it, it, I don't think the scenarios are exactly the same. And for that reason, um, I am, I'm skeptical that, uh, that this will have this, that the, the, the path will be the same for the Vikings, despite their struggles. I would say, uh, yes, that I agree that Kirk Cousins does not have the cachet of Aaron Rodgers to do something like that, at least publicly. Now behind the scenes, Maybe because he is getting absolutely demolished. I mean, the national media, the fans here, uh, you know, they have really turned on Kirk Cousins to the point where uh, here on the show, we're doing a bit each week where we look at what the college quarterbacks did. And I get I get emails Every week, every day about, hey, would, would the you know 49ers trade Garoppolo straight up for Cousins? Like, what's his contract like? How can we get out of it? I think that fans have reached a real point of frustration with Cousins, and he might look at some of these games and say, you know, I played pretty well against Tennessee, despite your horrible offensive line that you gave me and your run-first scheme, and I played pretty well against Seattle. But, you know, you want to run the ball on fourth and one instead of putting the ball ever in my hand in that situation and you know I I don't know if this is a team that has a guy who would do that currently now that Stefan Diggs uh, is in Buffalo even though he usually did it through um, social media but Diggs demanding to be traded and a bunch of other players d- deciding not to come back was certainly an indictment I think on where the culture was at under Zimmer and Kirk Cousins because I, I think when you look at a coach quarterback and general manager that's kind of like the big three of who runs a team and the, the I think a lot of the players turned on at least two out of the three so you do have that element of it and I do wonder about if Kirk Cousins feels like he was put in a situation with a coach that's obsessed with defense and running and they didn't do everything to help him uh, yeah you know I think back to was it it was fairly early in Zimmer's tenure where like the defense at, in a game at Lambeau Field, like went rolled, right? They just decided to 2016. Yep. Not run the not run the defense being called. Yes. It's just call their own defenses for at least the period of that game. Uh, and then look, I, I don't I don't have anything against Kirk Cousins other than that he and I have different uh, philosophies on wearing a mask during a pandemic. <laughs> but uh, look, you can't. There's two things. You can't win without a, a really good 
quarterback in this league. I don't care what anybody says. And then second, you can't win if your coach doesn't believe in your quarterback. And there, there is so much evidence of not believing in him. And you just mentioned a few of them. You know, that's one thing that McCarthy and Rodgers may have butted heads. They certainly did. But McCarthy never doubted what Rodgers was capable of. Mm-hmm. McCarthy never once would have said, I don't know if I want to put the ball in his hands. Right. Uh, Matt LaFleur definitely isn't afraid to put the ball in Rodgers' hands because, frankly, if Matt LaFleur was given some truth serum, he would probably say, I'd like to run the ball the way I did in Tennessee with Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and be 50-50. But I have Aaron Rodgers, so I'm not going to run my offense that way. So you know, that's, to me, the difference is that you know you look at great marriages, and not all of them work out, right? Eventually – you know, even though McCarthy and Rogers stayed together for the kids, eventually they got divorced. <laughs> um, but when those when those marriages work, you know, you look at Breeze and, and Peyton down in New Orleans, um, you get a lot of production, but you also get a lot less drama. And the problem with Green Bay and Rogers, to go back to that, was that relationship clearly had run its course, mm-hmm. and and at at that point that. They just they needed to to go their separate ways. Unfortunately for Mike, uh, he went from being married to Aaron Rodgers to being married to Jerry Jones, and I think I'd rather be married to Rodgers if I was Mike McCarthy. Well, now married to uh, Andy Dalton, and uh, I just as an aside, the uh, hey maybe it's Dak's fault that they're actually losing um, is uh, not turning out to be a great take for the people that had that one, um, but. Uh, you know, when I look at this situation here, Jason, I think that they want to do what Green Bay did with Matt LaFleur, and I don't know if that means another coach, but they want to bounce back quickly. They want to not bottom out for two or three years. They, I don't think, want to replace Kirk Cousins as much as everybody else wants them to do that. I think that they want to bounce right back in 2021 and have a – 13 and 3 type of season and say look it was just one down year but i think it because you have rodgers and here you don't have rodgers it's such a different formula the math just doesn't work like the same way when you don't have an elite quarterback in terms of how long you have to be down and that's where i wonder how realistic they are and and i, I mean i i guess i wonder this like with the packers if rogers this year has sort of bailed them out from actually looking too far down the road and here's the vikings maybe not looking far enough down the road yeah look i'll tell you this uh aaron Rodgers is taking the approach this season that this is his last year in Green Bay. Mm. Um, he now that doesn't mean it will be his last year in Green Bay, but he is. You know, he was even making a comment after the game on on Sunday in Houston about how much he uh, cherishes going into road stadiums and having Packers fans take them over, even when there's only sixteen thousand fans right. in Houston. That there was still such a significant Packers presence. To it, he has been very much about uh, savoring this season. And, you know, he's talked about it, maybe not explicitly, but it's very clear to me that he's saying, look, this could be it. They could, because the the cap money, actually, they still save cap money if they move on from him. They only save about $4 million on the cap if they were to move on from him this year as opposed to the following year when they would save, like, $20 million off the cap. 
not having him on their roster, but it's not like they would have all this dead money that would be much greater than what they were going to be paying him. So his approach clearly has been that. I do wonder, and I have so many friends in the Twin Cities, and many of them are Vikings fans, I do wonder how other teams' fan bases that don't have the quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and frankly, they probably did this in 07 when the Packers were moving on after the 07 NFC Championship game from Favre to Rodgers, saying, God, I can't imagine having that guy as a quarterback. Now, the Vikings got to have that guy as a quarterback for two years. They came within an interception of going to a Super Bowl with him at quarterback. So I just, I'm not saying that Rodgers is unappreciated here. I think his start has kind of reminded them of how special he is. But all you have to do is look at the have-nots. And all due respect to Kirk Cousins, who I have nothing against, you know, he's he's not a have. I don't think he's a, I don't think he makes you a have-not at quarterback either. He's somewhere in that malaise in the middle and and probably at the top end of that malaise but I just I don't know when you when you're one of those teams that is constantly trying to find that guy and you as and you juxtapose that with a team that has constantly had that guy for three decades between the two quarterbacks I just don't know if you fully appreciate how much it sucks (laughs) Not to have that guy. And you look at what the Vikings have had for so many years. It's always been a guy who you're trying to kind of move on from outside of uh, Culpepper for a brief time, but then Culpepper gets hurt and you have to move on from him. Same with Teddy Bridgewater, where you feel like, oh, we've got our quarterback. This guy can win. And then he gets hurt and emerges several years later looking very good for the Carolina Panthers. But uh, they couldn't stick with him at that time because of the injury and where they were as a franchise. And so they go all in on Kirk Cousins, who's not that much different from a lot of the rental quarterbacks that they've had through the years in terms of his actual quality. But they pay him like he's Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's, you know, builds into that frustration from fans and where they are right now in terms of trying to pay everyone but you know there's a lot of holes on the team that they can't fill and then it goes just sort of round and round but uh, before we wrap up Jason let me ask you this if the Vikings pull off an upset if Zimmer has been at the ranch in Kentucky I actually think he had to stay in Minnesota but if he's been uh, if if he's been in his office let's say 24-7, 24-7, grinding the tape, and he's found Matt LaFleur's offensive flaw all of a sudden, and they get three picks on Rodgers. They beat the Packers. Uh, how are Packers fans going to feel at that point about the team, and does that cause some panicked moves, some trades at the deadline, which is coming up right after this game, basically? Yeah, I don't think that they will be particularly active at the trade deadline. I mean, that just hasn't been there mo for a very long time and so uh you know what they have done historically is move on from guys at the trade deadline and frankly unless they're uh faking it um i don't think they feel like they need to move to make a move i really don't i i think they think their receiving core is fine i think they love their running backs i think they believe that they have young players that are developing that they don't need to make anything even close to a panicked move. Um, Again, we're seeing a ton of injuries throughout the league. We see them every year. But the Packers last year 
were among the most fortunate teams when it comes to injuries that I have ever seen in 25 years of covering the NFL because not only did they stay stunningly healthy, that their number one receiver missed four games with turf toe, and that was literally the only major injury that they endured, and it only lasted four games. Hmm. But they also had such incredible fortune with the matchups. Yeah. They're scheduled to go to, to Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is out. They go right. to Minnesota for that big matchup, and not only was Dalvin Cook out for that game, but Alexander Madison was out for that yep. game too. Yep. And so, you know, and there were, you know, they had, they didn't have to play against Stafford in one of their games against Detroit. I mean, there were so many instances of that last season that they're only they're six games in. So much can happen in the last ten games. They've had more injuries this year than they had by far last year. And they, there's the danger of, you know, if something happens to Adams, I don't believe, even though they are now 6-0 and in the games that he has missed with Matt LaFleur as the coach, I still don't believe they can beat a really good team without him on the field. And so not only do they have to cross their fingers and hope that he stays healthy, but they also have to hope that Alan Lazard comes back healthy because after those two, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, is just too inconsistent. You just don't know what you're going to get from him from game to game or play to play, quite frankly. Equinemius St. Brown is a non-factor. Uh, they like Darius Shepard, the young guy from North Dakota State, but he's inconsistent at this point. I mean, they just don't have a lot at wide receiver, and they don't have the depth to endure an injury. They also don't have the depth at tight end to endure an injury. They lost their rookie Josiah DeGuara that they were really high on. He played really well against the Vikings in the opener. Yep. He's he's out for the year now. So I don't think if they lose to the Vikings, I don't think the Packers would panic from a personnel standpoint, but I think it would be a, a very disturbing omen for Packers fans that their five and one start is a little paper tigery. Even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire and with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each, each month indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast Try Indeed with $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, and futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. If they don't make moves in a year like this where a lot of teams, I think, are going to be trying to dump their salaries for the future, and even someone like A.J. Green, if he wants out of Cincinnati, I mean, imagine pairing him with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know the cap situations on these things to say for sure whether you could do this or that. But if there was any year you've got Rodgers playing great, uh, Chicago, I don't think we're recording this as they're playing, so I don't know what's happening, but I don't think Chicago is truly that great. The Vikings are down. Detroit doesn't scare you. Uh, the other quarterbacks are old, even though they're playing well. Like you've got a real, no one exists in the NFC East. Like you have a real shot to go to the Super Bowl, and Seattle can't pressure the quarterback any more than you and I could. I mean, it would be, to me, it would be the year that if you're going to break traditions and you're going to go all in on something, I think that they should, and then they should make a big splash move for another receiver. So the Packers would, if, if they were to do that, it would be sort of like what the 49ers did with Emmanuel Sanders yeah. last yep. year, that you make that deal knowing full well you are not going to pay him when he becomes a free agent because the Packers, you know, you look at their upcoming free agents. They have their franchise left tackle and David Bakhtiari last year of his deal. They have their starting center, Corey Lindsley, last year of his deal. They've got Kevin King, they're one of their two starting corners in the last year of his deal. And then not only do they have Aaron Jones in the last year of his deal, but Jamal Williams, too. So their number one and number two running backs, who they see both as capable starters, are both going to be free agents, and the cap's going to go down. Right. So any moves that they make have to be purely of a rental mentality because – they are certainly not going to sign a – say they make a trade for a young guy who wants a big contract, that's not going to fit their paradigm unless they are are going to go all in on a rebuild. Like, Rodgers, this is, you know, this is fool's gold, and he's not going to be able to do this in 2021 or 2022, and they decide, look, we're going to go to love, we're going to fight the bullet on the cap in 2021, and then we're going to be a contender again in 2022. I mean, that, you know, I do think with Bakhtiari and Jones and Rodgers all being uh, potentially either free agents or expendable, that this has got a little bit of like a, I don't want to say the last dance. Yeah, that's, yeah. I've got, I've got the recency of having watched that documentary, obviously. But, you know, and then does that make Brian Gutekunst Jerry Krause? Like, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, kind of, kind of. Well, I mean, drafting uh, love is sort of the same kind of thing. We're like telling Phil Jackson, we're not keeping you here. Right. So, it, you know, I, again, who knows what next week holds, much less next year. And, and Lord knows what we've dealt with, with COVID-19. I, I'm, I'm just not counting my chickens on anything <laughs> these days. Right. But, but they, the, I think the one thing that if, if, if I were a, 
Vikings fan who lives with a Packers fan or is married to a Packers fan or works with a bunch of Packers fans, I would I would think this, that as great as the Packers have been for the last three decades because of Favre and Rodgers, they are due to have to live how the other half has lived. <laughs> and those are the Vikings, yep. they're the Bears, all those teams. And there is, you know, there's no guarantee that Jordan Love is number three in this succession after Favre and Rodgers. There's a distinct possibility that he's more Mitch Trubisky than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And if that were to happen, then Packers fans are going to find out what their Vikings fan friends and their Bears fan friends have lived with for the last couple of decades. Jason Wilde, you could follow him on Twitter if you like Packers things, uh, at Jason J. Wilde, and, uh, you know, ESPN Wisconsin, The Athletic Wisconsin as well for your Packers coverage. Uh, Jason, it's always fun to get together. I am going to miss your press box food, elite, elite press box food in Lambeau. And uh, last year, Judd Zolgad and I had the biggest slabs of meat when we were in Wisconsin that we've ever had in our lives. I have never eaten a bigger piece of meat than I did in Wisconsin. I will miss you and that this year. Well, I can at least, I will miss seeing you, too. I, my first appearance with you on any sort of podcast was recorded like 1 in the morning with <laughs> yes. you and Judd in the back area. But I can tell you this. While you may miss my smiling face behind my mask, um, you will not miss the press box food, the world-famous omelet station that we are so proud of for noon games, no longer there. Oh, no. Uh, it is, because of COVID-19, boxed sandwich oh. lunches. Oh, So it really is not worth the trip for, for the food or for uh, seeing me with my uh, nifty University of Oregon mask. 2020 is truly the worst. They have taken away Lambo's press box food. My God. Have mercy on all of us. Uh, all right, Jason. Well, this was really fun to catch up with you. I know that we will do it again soon, maybe when your team is in the playoffs and the Vikings are watching the playoffs. So we'll do it then. Well, the Vikings are the seventh seed and the Packers are the second <laughs> seed, and they play in the first round. I look forward to it. There's about a 2% chance of that happening, but uh, it is the Vikings. You never really do know. So, All right, thanks, Jason. You got it, buddy. Take care. Be good.